Hello, hello, hello. I'm Jan Goldstein, and this is All That Matters, our weekly positivity podcast. And I release a new podcast every Monday early in the morning. So it's there for you when you get up, when you go about your week. I hope that you tune in sometime during the week to the podcast. Tell others about it. Uh, and look back at some of the others you may have missed. Each week we try to reframe things, just thinking that if we look at the world maybe just a little different, angle just a little different, we might see something there that we might have missed, something that adds to the good stuff in life, and we all deserve the good stuff. And To me, that looks at the world a little bit like art. And to me, this is the season of art, this season of Thanksgiving, the the holidays uh, to come through the New Year's. And it was always a time when there was so much music in my home and all around us, of course, in the world. And also so much theater. Uh, Often we were seeing theater during this time. Um, And then there's the Nutcracker and there's all kinds of things that we would go to see and to celebrate art, and I, I can't help but think of art uh, at this time of year because, um, to me, it's the it's the greatest uplift uh, I've had in life uh, has been in the theater, and um, yes, it's it's between peoples, but it's when art can elevate life and help us see things that perhaps we may have missed, and to understand them in new ways. You know, as George Brock said, that art is a wound turned into light. Art is a wound turned into light. And uh, I think that's true. If you go to any of my books, if you go to jangoldstein.com and uh, find any of my novels or my two nonfiction books, uh, one of which is called Sacred Wound, uh, Succeeding Because of Life's Pain, it's about using the experiences we've had, the wounding experiences in our lives uh, to elevate us. And to me, that's what art does. And uh, art is a wound turned into light. It gives us a mirror of our lives. It gives us a repositioning. It reframes our lives, perhaps helps us understand wounds in a different way and ends up letting the light in. Um and that is part of what any artist must have is an ability to let the light in, which means they must have been wounded at some point in life in order to reflect it back to us. You know, one of my um, deepest hero, <laughs> heroes who's touched me the deepest, uh, Rachel Naomi Remen, Dr. Rachel Naomi Remen, who was so kind to blurb one of my uh, novels and was... Uh, really touched me deeply. She says, at the deepest level, the creative process and the healing process arise from a single source. The creative process and the healing process arise from a single source. When you are an artist, she says, you are a healer. A wordless trust of the same mystery is the foundation of your work and its integrity. Imagine that. When you're an artist, you're a healer. I want all of you actors and painters and dancers and writers and musicians 
everyone who makes art out there to understand you are a healer. You're bringing healing to the world. And that is something that is so powerful. But I also want everyone else to understand whether you're involved in the, in making art in, in the traditional sense or the non-traditional sense. I've been writing about this for years that each one of us is an artist in our own way. Each one of us has the ability to uh, wrap our arms and our lives around the creative process. We may be creative the way we live our lives, the way we approach the climate, the way we approach our uh, community, the way we uh, approach life in general, uh, and the way we approach our own growth. There is an artist inside each and every one of us, and it's our challenge, I think, to find that artist and to nourish that artist inside of us. And that's part of what this whole podcast, All That Matters, is about. It's about connecting to that artist inside of us because that's part of the good stuff in life. You know, to me, art is is so cathartic. It goes back to a time uh, when, as a young man, I attended a performance of Amadeus in Broadway. And I was filled with some kind of deep concerns. I can't even remember what it was, but I remember something was bothering me. I had to take care of something. You know, you feel the weight of the world on your shoulders sometimes, and that can happen at any point in life. But you, um, I, I go into the theater, and there is a moment in Amadeus which, uh, in which this composer, Salieri, uh, who's a kind of an everyman kind of composer, uh, not great, good. And he, stand, he's, he sits in a wheelchair at the start of the stage. He looks absolutely ancient. Uh, he's probably in his late 70s, 80s. And he is looking out at the audience and he, um, he talks about, he rails against God. How could God place the gift of creativity inside this foolish little Wolfgang Mozart, who to him is just a silly little boy, who somehow is a genius, a composer genius, whereas Salieri has worked at the craft of writing music all his life and yet can't seem to come up with anything approaching beyond good. Nothing great, nothing extraordinary, nothing magnificent. And so he rails against God. How could you place inside this silly boy who has no concept of genius? He just writes it. No concept of craft because it's it just comes out of him. It pours out of him. And then suddenly we are brought back to the moment at when Salieri is 30 and is a court composer and first meeting this young man named Mozart who's come into court and is giggle, all giggles and silliness until, of course, he writes uh, this magnificent, uh, any number of magnificent compositions. Salieri goes from being 80 on the stage to 30, and it happens in a, in a snap of a finger in an instant. And it isn't done with any magical makeup. Uh, Nothing more than the actor's craft, than the art of Ian McKellen, who rises from the wheelchair and is suddenly this young man. It took my breath away. I literally, I gasped. And that is the healing power of, of his art. That, that it took me out of myself. And for the rest of the show, I was spellbound. And I remember at the end of it, all of the worry had been drained away from me. I was so filled with the beauty of the art I had just seen 
the words of the playwright Peter Schaefer and the, and the, the phenomenal performance of Ian McKellen. You know, uh, that is the power of theater, and the ancient Greeks understood that. They, they understood that there was a biological basis for catharsis, and the theater could serve that purpose and art in general. For example, the story of Oedipus and the plague on Thebes, describing how the mythical king struggled to cope with the plague caused by his own murder of his father, that was performed in the city while it reeled from a siege and a plague of its own in 429 BC. And for a few decades now, neurobiologists and literary theorists have talked about mirror neurons that fire in the same places in the brain when one is either performing an action or watching someone else perform that same action. So the understanding has grown that there's a vicarious emotion, like crying over the death of a fictional character, that creates some of the same neurological feedback to our real life experiences. This all echoes Aristotle's idea that something therapeutic really happens when one watches and experiences a tragic performance. So this effect is is not a surprise to practitioners today, practitioners of drama therapy, uh, such as psychodrama or playback theater. Some have turned to ancient Greek theater and myth to address contemporary um, traumas and social ills. For example, Brian Derry's Theater of War applies Greek tragedies to help veterans cope with PTSD. And Rodessa... Jones's Medea project applies Greek myths like Medea's betrayal by Jason to the lives of incarcerated women. So theater can do that for you. Art of different kinds can do that for it, just as it did for the Athenians, even in their worst years. I'm reminded of the power of theater to heal and the power of art to heal by a family I'm very close to, uh, this week. Um, the son was home from college and the mother who had been so worried about her son for several years, ever since he was struck by a car on his bicycle, she woke up with nightmares and I've been privy to hear some from the family, uh, from the, her husband and the boy's stepdad. Um, and they all decided to go. He was home from college and they decided to go to the theater. They were going to go to Hamilton and, um, this past week and now the theater is open and the the interesting thing is this boy and his mother had been very close growing up really close really knit to one another's souls and yet somehow as he got older there there there's tended to be a wedge between them each one kind of throwing something at the other and that happens perhaps you recognize that happens in families happens between friends where you want to get closer you love them so much that you end up, though, driving a wedge between yourselves. You end up creating barriers in communication, pushing each other's buttons. Does that sound familiar at all? We tend to do that to people we love for some reason. And, and you know, we want to know why they can't hear us. And each one can make that complaint that you can't hear us. Well, in the, in the, in the car ride to the theater, apparently something happened, and there was a big blow up in the car each one arguing with the other 
And there was a question of whether they were either going to go, go into the theater, but they persevered. They got into their seats, and the mother and son ended up sitting in two seats together with each other, hardly talking to one another. And yet, if you'll remember Hamilton in the second act, there comes a moment where the son of Hamilton and his wife Eliza dies. He dies in a duel defending his father. And there is such grief, and the mother, Eliza, blames the father. He is the reason that this boy ended up getting in this terrible fight. She blames him, and he feels the weight of her blame, and he feels the weight of his own guilt. And all he offers, humbled and broken, is if she will allow him to accompany her in their daily walks around the city just to be by her side. He won't say anything. He won't beg for anything. And he stays by her side as they take walk after walk, as they move through their grief. Until, if you've seen the show, the beauty of her reaching out her hand finally and taking his hand. And the song begins, forgiveness, forgiveness. And at that moment... In the theater, the young man, the young college freshman, placed his head against his mother's shoulder and began to cry. And she put her arm around him, cradling him, and began to weep. And in that moment was forgiveness, a healing that the theater offers us, that art offers us. So, my wish for you in this season of art is that healing, that feeling of forgiveness, whether it be from a painting or from the theater or from a book or from music, whatever form of art you experience, simply the art of life, may it reveal the goodness to you and its own healing power. This is a season of light. Here's to illumination and healing for all. Until next week, I'm Jan Goldstein, and this is All That Matters.